Welcome to the Aussie Villains podcast. And here it goes again. We'll be talking about our signings. We'll be looking at our pre-season. We'll be answering your questions as well. This is the Aussie Villains podcast. Get us on Apple. Get us on Google. Get us on Ankle, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Get us on Twitter at Aussie Villains. Get us on Australian Fans of Villa on Facebook and our Facebook group. That's where we pose our questions and uh, hopefully you get questions from you as well. This is the Aussie Villains podcast. Welcome to the Aussie Villains podcast. It's the cast of two tonight. It's Spud and Paul. How are we, Spud? Good, mate. Good. How are you? Mate, so I'm, we're trying to keep the trying to keep it level headed at the moment. I just I feel things are just so different to what we're used to. Like the you know the raw promise actually seems real, mate. We'll get into that in a minute when we talk about the form game. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, and no, I think things are extremely positive at the moment. We're such a um, a fan base that's devoid of success in the past few decades that uh, the word surreal gets bandied around, but it does feel surreal. And you're just wondering where this has come from. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's just one of them things where I'm just, you know, I, 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 kind, of, I kind of just sit back and try and appreciate everything that's going on at the moment because... Like the, it's just the club. The club is in such a good place at the moment, and it's it's been a long time. Like the feel good factor, like this is, I mean, you had that ten game run at the end of the championship where things looked rosy, but this is just a whole new level. Like. No, look, absolutely, and uh, look, the the, the pre season couldn't have gone much better than than uh, we'd hoped for either, mate. So, um, we've got our next game tomorrow morning against Brentford. Um, US Tour has been a pretty big success for all the teams over there, I think. Yeah, the game seems to have a bit more of a competitive edge to it too, which is really good. Um, I think I think they will definitely tick this off as a success. The the Premier League themselves, like it's uh, had, they haven't had too many full houses, but they've had decent sizes. The games have been good. Um, it's not a huge amount of travelling for the players. So obviously there's a bit of travelling within America, but I mean from the UK, you know, obviously Australia was a big trip for for Villa last year. So uh, yeah, I think it's all positive. Two big games still to come against Lazio and Valencia as well, and the season's only two weeks away, man. It's incredible. It's 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 blowing my mind, and um, to only be a couple of weeks away and still have potential signings coming in, it's pretty exciting times, mate. So let's have a look at the form game. Um, did you get to see it live or? No, I I I. I... Kept the phone off all day and watched it after work. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I haven't spoiled these games. Yeah, um, yeah, like league games, I'd always get up for whatever, but like these games have actually been on whilst I'm at work, so yes, they've been uh, kicking off at 7 a.m. for me, and I, my pre start is at half six, so I, I just avoided WhatsApp and uh social media and then watch it when I came home. So it's uh, yeah, so I'm getting to watch them, watch them uh, without knowing the results, so it's really good. Just, just some beautiful passing in this game, and and what's really exciting is the young guys, and we know that Bade scored a goal, um, and you know I think he will figure in cup games and so forth this year, which you know a couple of weeks ago many fans would have thought he wouldn't, and the RB scores as well on 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 you know realistically full full game debut, it was just a really beautiful couple games in a row of passing and running at the. You know, Remember, we only had Jack running at players at one stage, and now we've got four, five, six players who will run at defenders, and that's got to scare the living daylights out of them. 
Yeah, no, it's good. Like, um, it's very noticeable in Buendia in the last two games. Like he's driving at the heart of their defense a lot, isn't he? Yes. So it's, uh, it's very noticeable. Yeah, I mean he's he looks like the one who's been tasked with um replacing JJ at the moment. Now again, that could change over the next couple of games, but he's playing a lot in there, and he was he was he was excellent against Newcastle. Um. I don't think I, I didn't think he was particularly brilliant against Fulham, but again, he wasn't bad or anything. So there's a lot of positives to take from him. Um, Coutinho came on, looked fitter, looked a bit leaner um, against Fulham. Um, there's there's just quality everywhere now, you know. Tillemans was sensational. Um, I'm glad yeah. you said that because I've still seen people be negative about Tillemans and saying he's you know he lost the ball a few times, but. The kind of player he is, he's going to take it on and sometimes the ball's going to get away from him. I'd rather him do that. I, I don't get the negativity already. Yeah, but like I think fans need to understand, like because I've seen another guy complaining saying that Camaro needs to be dropped because of the goal he gave away against Newcastle and stuff like that. And I mean, Una Emery plays risks and reward football. Like, like we might think that that's a disaster and, and, and it was a mistake, but... Uh, Emery will be happy that the players are being brave enough to take the ball in those positions. You know, there, there are things that you can work on. Like, it's a lot harder to try and get players out of that fear of having the ball. Like, Kamara, Louise, they'll take it in tight situations. There's going to be times, and it's, it's not going to be the last time it's going to happen. They're going to lose the ball at times. But for the benefit of it over a season, it far outweighs the risks. Like, you might concede. They might, they'll all probably make a mistake leading to a goal at some point. Tillemans will do it. Kamara, Louise. But they'll also probably create... 20, 25 chances between them, you know? So I'm, I'm really happy you said that, mate, because it's risk versus reward. And the reward is going to be that we're going to see a lot more, fo- you know, beautiful football. We're going to create opportunities for our midfielders to become those semi-strikers. And there's going to be mistakes. We're going to see goals where we're going to be on the ball for too long or we're going to miss pass. Which do you want? I'd prefer the mistakes for the for the benefits, mate, myself. I've always said, Matt. Um, I, I've always said, Paul. I'd, I'd rather lose a game trying to win it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, like, we're going to turn up and play football all the time. I, I love the style of football. I, I, and like the fans, some fans. No, to be fair, I, I don't think there's as many as you'd usually see complaining about. It, in all fairness, now, like you know, it, it, it isn't the uh, the majority by any stretch of the imagination like it was last season. It, it, it is a lot less fans that are complaining about it. But the ones that are, like, we'll say. Oh, Kamara's lost the ball. Emery will love that, seeing him having the ability. Of course, he's not going to love him losing the ball, but he will think, right, that can be worked on. That's just positional. That's yeah. decision-making. He'd have a lot bigger job to do if he didn't have the players willing to take the ball. That's a lot harder to fix. So I, I, I think the thing that's also noticeable is that um, the, the squad, you know, on it just feels that they know they're going to be rotated at different times and we're, it's pre-season and we're working it out. Everyone seems really happy again. Um, but there's so much depth there right now. There's a lot of quality in the squad now, Paul. You're 100% right, mate. It's um, it's excellent to see. Like, I uh, I don't actually remember. Like, I mean, we've had some very good Villa teams over the years, but we're heading towards one of the strongest squads in my lifetime, anyway. I mean, I, I one, or, yep. one or two more additions, and I think you like, I'd safely say this is probably the strongest squad we've had, like, in, 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 my, in my time now. I've got no doubt now. That we will see another couple of signings. Um, there's so many. I, I know we're getting bandied round, so I'm not going to bring up too many names. But um, they feel real. These ones feel real again, and they feel like Villa's in control of the situations. And people are worried that we won't get a goalkeeper. But I'm going to be a bit controversial here. It's far easier to find a goalkeeper than it is a striker. 
Well, I was just reading the article there by John Tonley there, who just done the press conference over in America with um with, with Una Emery and Emery said he's not looking for a goalkeeper. He said well, he's more, more more than comfortable going into the season with Robin Olsen. Well, hi, Gaff and I's best mate. So, uh, until, until it's um seemed to be a, a horrible thing. Um so, I didn't see that press conference, so that says everything we need to know. It's not a So problem. um he said he's happy. He said um Martinez is the undoubtedly number one. He said he was very happy with the games Olsen has played and and his contribution in training. And he says we'll keep one young goalkeeper as our as a, as our third choice. Now, I could look at this two ways. Either one, he's giving him a vote of confidence and seeing how how that plays out. Does it work for him? Or two, they just haven't been able to get a better backup. I mean, getting a backup goalkeeper is not easy. Like it's you know, like everyone that comes to Villa knows they're not going to dislodge Martinez. So certain quality. So if you have someone like Olsen who look I personally think he needs to be moved on, but I've said from the start I'm gonna get behind any decision that Una Emery makes because he's aren't that right. Like you know 100%. he's 100%. aren't that right. So Emery sees him week in or week in, week out of training. I don't. Um it matches or that are important. But if Emery sees him as a good enough backup then that's fine for me. I move on. It's, in my opinion, and that's all it is an opinion, I think we could do with it. I don't think the team looks confident when he's in goal. But no. again, I'm not Una Emery, so I'm not going to question him, you know. Well, I'd love to see him get the a, a full pre-season. I'd like to see him just, I don't know, I know a little bit about fitness training and everything. I'd love to see him just get a bit quicker off the line. That can be taught. A, it's confidence. B, you do speed training because Olsen just looks leggy when he goes to move. And I reckon we might see a better Olsen, hopefully, this year. Well, we have to see a better Olsen this year. Yeah, I mean, like his, like his ball distribution is very, very questionable. But there's no doubt he's a good shot stopper. And then people are saying we have to we have to change the way we play if if Olsen does come in. And I, I think, yeah, we probably will. But, yeah, we, we do. we now have the players to do that. So, okay. You know, I think last season, if Martinez thought it was a disaster because we were we could really only play one way. He got the best out of what he had, but this this team now with the, the sensible signings he's made, like he can add two three systems easy into this team now. Like, no, so, look, yeah. absolutely. So, so if we didn't sign a goalkeeper, um, I mean, it's a bit of a worry, but it's I, I think. I was pretty happy. We don't have a World Cup this year. There is qualifiers, of course. There's always qualifiers going around. But uh, if Martinez stays fit and Olsen can improve, I think our defence looks pretty solid. And they, they hopefully can back him up a fair bit as well. Yeah. No, that, that seems to be going. Oh, as again, I say, you know, this could be just man management. He could be just trying to give the vote of confidence while he's trying to move him on the background. You don't know. But this close to the transfer window ending, you know, it seems to me like if he said if he came out and said that in the press conference, he was just trying to end the speculation. I'd say, you know, just showing, you know, that's it because everyone's saying that it's right back or a goalkeeper and right back is needed. So I think he must be throwing his weight behind us and just saying, no, no, you're my man, you're you're my backup keeper. So yeah, good, good on him. Good if that if that's how he feels is the way to approach it. Um, and he even said himself like he is going to have to play games. I think if we can go back to the um, some of the pre-season so far in the tour, it's just been really lovely to see some of the young guys play, the, come straight into the team, know what's expected, and play the style that Emery wants. And that's the sign of a club going forward. So when we get into the cup matches and some of these players um, get to play a game, it looks like they're ready to go. And we've not had that. I, not, not, not in, I don't remember when we've had that before. 
like even the young lads coming off the bench, as you say, like they look, they they look like they can bring something. Now it's pre-season. I try my best never to get too carried away before pre-season, but you have to get excited as a fan. Like you know, we we were we were so long disappointed, like disappointed with things going on in the club. So if a young lad is coming off the bench, I promise, like we have to get right behind them, you know, because it's brilliant. It's brilliant to have players like the money they've put into the academy and stuff like, and and hopefully this is the fruit of the labour, you know. And like Omari Kellyman against Newcastle, wow, well, what a, what a performance that was from a seventeen-year-old. Like he just came in and he was just he was just brilliant. Like look, I don't see him being there for the season, getting many minutes for the first team, but there's certainly. Boy, certainly a year out in loan or another year in the academy, and you like there you go. This fella could be an unbelievable footballer, like you know, and he's ours, you know. That's the thing. And obviously, Emery is willing to give these lads a go. So yeah, no, exactly right. So um, we ask on Facebook and Twitter for questions uh, for the podcast. Um, we left it a little bit late this week, but on Twitter, um, we've we've answered the question for you here, I believe, Stephen. So Stephen L. Wright, he's written, "What is the deal with not signing a new goalkeeper already?" Um, and and I think you've summed it up perfectly. So, Stephen, Emery, for whatever reason, whether we couldn't bring in the backup or he is happy with Olsen, um, that's what's that's what the deal is. So, at, at this point, no new keeper coming in. So, good one there. We've got some um, questions on Facebook as well, Spud, um, for the pod. So, did you want, uh, you want to do those or are you happy for me to get into them? Oh, so if, you, if you have access to them there, Paul, you go for it, man. Yeah, mate, uh, for sure. So we have a um, podcast and villa chat as well. So it's called Aussie Villains Podcast and Villa Chat. You can get onto that one. You um, just request um, permission to come in. Uh, we'll have a look at your villains and uh, get you straight in there as well. So uh, Jonathan Northall writes, what would constitute in realistic terms a successful 23-24 season? Premier League position, domestic and European Cup performances. I'll let you go first, mate. Um. I suppose what the club would probably constitute success and what I would constitute success would probably be different but for me to be happy for me to turn around at the end of this season and be a genuinely happy supporter if we could finish in the top eight which I think we will I think we will comfortably and win a trophy whether that be the conference league cup the league cup or the FA cup but just to be comfortable, just to have a good run in all three cup competitions. You know, I'm not, not saying we have to win all three competitions, but if we could win one, like there's no reason we can't go up and win that conference. And, and I'm genuinely confident about that. We have a manager who's won four Europa Leagues. The conference is gettable. These players are, this squad is very good. Like, And Juventus now are, have been excluded. So for me, top eight and a trophy. And I'd be very, very happy. Um, For me, it will be a trophy for sure. I'd love a domestic trophy and a, and, and a good European run. I'm not expecting that we'll win uh, in Europe for our first time in years, but it'd be nice to. Um, and flirting with the Champions League. So at one stage, being in the running um, would be a really successful year for me. So flirting with the Champions League, a deep run in Europe and, and a cup would be a, a very successful um, season. And I suppose we've said it before, to see one of our strikers hit tw- uh, double, you know, not double figures, but 20 goals, it'd be awesome if Watkins could do that. Yeah, 100%. Can I just um, ask you something within that question there, Paul? You were saying flirt to the really Champions League. No, I know you're not saying get in the Champions League, but look like we have a chance like early in the season or whatever. But like, what would you constitute? Like, what would be your cutoff in the league? What position would you look at and think, well, that was a waste of a season in the end? Well, 
if we're playing a good brand of football and the, the whole competition's playing well, then, you know, I would still say sixth or seventh would be successful if we're seeing incremental improvements. Yeah. Um, because a ladder position, you know, it doesn't always tell a story because if the top two or three teams run away with it and the rest are dross, then that can happen. You could get into sixth or seventh and Dilla did that for years. Yeah. Um, but, and you know, seeing that improvement, seeing where we've really pushed you know, we're four or five points off the Champions League. So they've been, you know, the other teams have worried about us the whole season. Um, we're, we have a deep run in Europe. We finish sixth or seventh. Players are going to come to us again. They're going to see that, oh, this Villa is one of the best clubs in England. Uh, they're a very good club in Europe. So it's that's, I think it's a must. I think anything outside of that, I think we're, I, I don't know. I'd be disappointed, mate. I think, I think, for me, if we can get the top eight, which again, look, I'm saying this, I think we comfortably will, you know. Um, I think if we get the top eight again and win a trophy would be would be tremendous because one, it would show we're we're now at a consistent level where we're going to be in the top the top bracket of clubs every year. There's no point in us finishing seventh last year, having a good uh, run conference and then finishing twelfth. This would show again progress as a club that we can take on that extra competition and stay competitive, you know. Yeah. Um, yep, agree. If what I was saying at the start there about um about the and, and remember, if you win the conference, no, I know it's not gonna be as easy as everyone thinks it is, but I genuinely do think we have a good chance in it. Um I think uh that gets you into the 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 way for cup straight away anyway. So that's that's the same as finishing sixth anyway. Yeah. Now I, I do think we will finish in the top six, but I'm just saying for me at the end of the season, if we finish Eight and had a trophy or re- came really close to winning a trophy. I'd be very happy with that, but I do, I do think we will finish a bit higher. Um, for the club, Paul, like I was saying, that my view would be different to the clubs. I genuinely think that the club sense that there's a chance for the Champions League this year. Uh, uh, that is the feeling I have with with Liverpool in transition, Chelsea in transition. Obviously, Arsenal and City are probably out of reach. Newcastle are going to have to judge um juggle a new competition. Spurs aren't what they are. I think the fact that they've went away and signed not only three good players, three quality players, three players that could start in this 11 in the morning, no problem. You know what I mean? So I genuinely believe there's a sniff. I do think we're going to have more signings. I remember I was one of the ones who said on this pod many a time at the start, I didn't envision much more than three outfield players and a, and a backup keeper. But I do know, I know the way things have gone and the signings are going and everything that's going on within the squad. I do think we're going to see another one or two absolute quality signings come in, and oh. and and I do think that would I think the management and the owners they can sniff a Champions League spot. I'm not saying they're going to get it, but I think they definitely feel it's possible because you're going to have this is it. This is the year that it could happen. Chelsea have a big gap to bridge, like to get where they are. They will get there, Chelsea. But, but again, it could take a year of Pochettino sorting out a mess too. It's not like they're just going to instantly hit the ground running. Liverpool are losing some key players. Fabinho and Henderson have been the rock beat of that team. Like they're going to be brilliant again, Liverpool. But are they the force they were a couple of years ago? And then you have uh, Spurs. So I, I genuinely think the Champions League is is in their mind, our, our friend. But the way Emery was talking in the press conference yesterday, um, he he talked about he wants to go to semi-finals and all the cup competitions, and he wants a deep run and. And this is it. And then, well, there you go. You, you've just you've just answered a successful season. If you're in semi-finals or close to finals in league, yeah. we're pushing up towards the top. Look, we've already seen better players come in. Yeah. Regardless, this 
we've seen better players come in, and and we have to mention that Wesley's left uh, on a permanent, and we 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 so wish that it's, it's successful for him. Um, and I mean, I, I think a lot of people thought he'd gone already. I mean, we've yeah. joked about it a few times over the last year. I think they've done well to get him a permanent move. To be honest, that they didn't just have to keep loaning him out till the end of his contract. Yeah. Um, I think they've done well there to get a get a get a permanent move. In fairness, to them. I hope works out for him well. In Villa never worked out for him, and um, they've got a good move for Nakamba. I assume Sanson's move will eventually turn into permanent uh, yep. Yep. at the end of the season or whatever, because each Nice is a step up from Strasbourg. So obviously, I think Nice might actually finish in the top four. And don't quote me on that, but I think they might have in France. I think they did done well anyway. And uh, so, so yeah, sort of starting to move on. Uh, you'd expect a couple more. As we were saying in the group chat the other day, you still wouldn't be shocked that a big name goes out either. I, I wouldn't be. I'm not sure who it would be, but I'm still thinking that we could be surprised by one one or two that have moved on. There's still. been a sniff, uh, sniff around for Bailey as well from from a lot of reports. So, yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't want to lose Bailey at this point just for the um the cup runs and, and I think he'll fight really hard for a spot in the team. And he'll, he'll play a fair few games for us, I still think. The... um. Yeah, I, I think there's a spot in the squad for Bailey. Um, but again, I think you're uh, you're right, Paul. Maybe if a good offer comes in, it might be they might they might take it. But um, I think the intention I see is that I think Emery wants to keep him in the squad because he will be useful in games. You know, they're playing a lot of games. The problem with Bailey is he's definitely talented, but he spends he spends more time in the grass than Snoop Doggy Dog. You know, so it's just uh, the... uh, that is a great line. I, I can chuck in there that he uh spends more time in the grass than Willie Nelson. <laughs> so he like once he once once I think I think now that there's competition there and stuff it's going to be uh it's going to be um could be a year for Bailey and again maybe he'll get to play on the left a bit more he's had his best game for Villa has been on the left like against Brentford United yeah. so so maybe he'll get to play on the left a bit more um who knows but there's a lot of games so I see him being kept around um very pleasing thing for me though was uh in Diaby's um. Interview. He name checked Bubakar Kamara as one of the reasons he he came to Villa. Um, I don't know this for a fact, but if I was to guess, being their ages and the talent the two of them are at, I would imagine Kamara and Diaby would have played a lot underage together in France. Yeah, they would have, you yeah. know, there's only there's only probably nine ten months between them. And obviously, Kamara is one of the big names, so he did name check uh, Kamara as someone he spoke to before he joined Villa and said that they were he was extremely complimentary about the club. So that's very pleasing. That's something you've mentioned quite a few times on the pod, Paul, about um, players generating other players within the club for us. You know, you've talked about Martinez, you know, um, Coutinho obviously helping get Carlos and that in. You know, so there's definitely something in that. So now that you're having two of Two very talented young French players willing to sign for Villa. Who's to say another young French player won't know the next up and coming? And that's how you build a club, you know. Hundred percent sounds very uh, Arsenal of the eighties and nineties, uh, mate. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, that was a fantastic question. We Thanks, really, mate. So thank you for that. Um, Mark Smith, a long time listener. What's your guys' thoughts on Conzer at right back? I think he did well versus form and will be used by Unai as cover for cash. Can I just go on this one first? I was mate? just going to say you go first, Paul. Yeah. Because I have um, been an advocate for Konza being there as cover. I, I, I don't think permanently, but I think he did a really great job. And that's testament to himself to learn, to play a bit differently, and, and testament to our coaching staff. Um, I, I, I don't think it can really work more than a few games, Mark. I think there's limitations. People won't go past him. But we're asking our right-backs to be creative. Um, 
and that's not quite in Conser's kick, kick bag at the moment to take the ball on. And um, so I don't think it works long term. I'm not sure about what you think there, Spud. Um, yeah, I probably agree with that. And again, it probably would depend on what system we're playing, really, wouldn't it? Because what, what his role in that is going to be. Um, he 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 done naturally like naturally in the role what Cash has been asked tasked to do a few times. Cash has to work on it, like that tucking in, helping, becoming the extra centre-back. Like, he's such a good defender. We've said this many times, like, one and one Like, Kansas... I think, like, he, like, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Like so, so, he definitely brings something. I don't think he's the long-term answer, as you say. I, I, I do see a right-back coming in, if I'm honest. And, but I think, I think Emery will comfortably throw him in when necessary. That's probably yeah. the best thing I can say. Um, no, so I do think we will see him play right back a few times, but I don't think he's going to be the permanent right back. Um, mate, were you able to get into, I can't while I'm uh, recording this at the moment, but there was another one from Mark and it was the uh, a tweet that was uh, put out there about the Villa Trust. Have you got access to that tweet at all? Yeah, I have. I have. But it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a statement, Paul. I've actually read it. So I might just give a quick brief rundown yeah. if you want. Um, That'd be good. Easier than reading the whole statement because there's a lot in it. I'll just give a brief, brief synopsis. So the um, basically the Aston Villa Trust Supporters Trust have released a statement regarding um, the, the upgrade in the, uh, the you know, the season ticket um, offer. It was crazy price. It was like £1,560 for a season ticket for a terrace view in the, the upper holds. Um, then they've extended the disabled um, area, which and then they had to move 100 season ticket holders out of their area. Um, and I don't think they gave much notice. So basically what this what this statement said was, as we really appreciate the way the clubs are going on the field and everything that's been done around the club at the moment, the academy, the building of the stadium, just everything around it and the, the building of the squad. The, the the infrastructure that have been put in place within the squad, we are really pleased with all that, but we cannot help but state that we are extremely concerned about what's happening off the field regarding the disregarding of the of the, of the loyal fan basically saying like you have a season ticket holder list for people that have been on the list for a long time and now you've basically given the option of if you have money you can just skip that um, football is becoming so expensive as it is then using the narrative that we've that we've um or that we've we've taken on board stuff that we've had from the supporters trust. So basically name trapped them saying that we've discussed this from with them previously and stuff, and they're saying they didn't. They said that they need to upgrade the concourse um and bring it in line with other clubs like the Spurs have brilliant facilities in their in their concourses and stuff and the service, they're complaining about the service. And yeah, like to make a long tweet short, the main complaint for them was basically is that they're they're allowing if you have money, you can basically skip everything else, and, and just that, play. And that is the way around the world. Whether it's the world game, whether it's yeah. AFL, whether it's yeah, yeah. Uh, NFL, money does eventually talk, yeah. um, and it will change the fabric of the club. And there's no doubt. For example, if you an AFL supporter, if you pay enough money, you're going to get a grand final ticket. So if you pay a few thousand dollars for a membership, as opposed to hundreds you're going to get a grand final ticket, right? Uh, in the NFL, it's the same thing. If you become one of the big season ticket holders, um, you're guaranteed to you know, get playoff tickets. And it, this is all over the world. Um, and, and unfortunately, I hope we don't become fully like that, but I can't see how it, it won't actually happen. Um, and, but I suppose that 
goes into another thing that's been talked about by the club supporters this this uh, this week, and that's away tickets. It's a very similar kind of change of you know people have been going away for many years. The tickets are going to change how they're distributed as well. I'm not sure if you've read much about that. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that was mentioned in this statement as well, Paul. Ah, so basically, basically again, they're 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 saying that they're going to give um ballots. You're going to ballots for away tickets, right? So, but basically, the away fans are are complaining, saying that well, we've just spent years trying to build up our criteria to allow us to go to games, showed a lot of loyal support, and as soon as we got our criteria built up, now you're changing the system. Now, I can kind of agree with that because there is people in the other way, crowd men that that have travelled to Bolton in the snow to games like in the championship to watch us lose in in horrendous conditions, like. People that didn't have to go to these games, man, and never missed a game week in, week out. And if they're now going to miss out as the club go up in an upward trajectory, I would completely understand they're upset at that. Um, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty pissed, bud, because yeah. um as we know when we watch away games, that away support and some of the videos we get from their phones and different stuff like that, they are legitimately full on supporters. And and oh, there's no, never, I was about to say there's never a quiet moment, mate, from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Paul. I didn't mean to jump in. Yeah, hundred percent. You're right. It's a, they're the lifeblood of the club in many ways. Like you know, like they're they're they're, they're such good supporters, man. Go up and down the country, and I get that there's going to be a couple joining here and there, but a lot of them were the ones who did put in the hard yards in the championship when we were struggling, you know. And um, like I have no problem. Maybe it's easy for me to say because I live in Australia. Maybe if I was attending every home game and I couldn't get in the way a ticket, I might feel different. You know what I mean? So I can I can see both sides of the coin, but. I definitely do understand the complaint. But then yeah. on the flip side as well, I do understand that if Villa want to go somewhere, we have to become that little bit more corporate, as sad as it is. But that's yes. just a sign that's just a sign of the times. Like, you know, and you were saying about how spending money makes a difference. You know, it's impossible to get tickets like the FA Cup finals and all that. Like, but you can become a club Wembley member for thirty five grand or whatever it is, and you can go to every game if, oh, you, yeah. have, if you have the money. So yeah, look, I I, I think football is becoming an outstretch to the normal working man. I remember, like I've said many times, my father, uh, rest his soul, was a was a diehard Everton fan. He was a scouser, and he like he always tells me, my dad, my my father passed away. He was seventy four, so he would have followed the football a good few decades ago, living in Liverpool. You know, season ticket holder at Goodison Park, and I know times have changed, like, but. He he always used to tell me how football was for everyone. Like you know, it didn't matter whether you were sweep a sweep a road sweep or a lawyer. You could everyone could afford to go to the football, and that was the beauty of it. Everyone yeah. was equal at the football. He said and that's just how it was. It was beautiful. No, he said obviously things changed when the All Cedar Stadiums came in, and 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 tickets were harder to get unless you were a season ticket holder. And there is a lot of movement for reasons why they had to up the price of tickets, and I get that. But with the TV money that's coming in. Like, tickets don't need to be crazy prices, I don't think, personally. But look, I'm not a football finance expert. But I, think that's, I think it'll be financial fair play. I'll come into it as well. They'll say, look at the money we generate. We, from we generate, oh, yeah, of course. And but um, there's, there's, a, there's a thing I always allude to, Paul, as well, like when, when anyone ever kind of challenges me on this, like, but um, the, 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 Bayern, the Bayern Munich president, um, well, I can't remember what his name is now. He's an Uli Honus. He's a, he's an ex player, right? So you know the way in Germany they have the, the fifty plus one system. So yeah. the fans own a certain percentage of the club, right? Everything is voted for and everything, and it's really cheap to go to games in Germany. 
So they were into him. And why it came about was Bayern Munich drew um, Arsenal. This is going back a good few years ago in the Champions League at the Emirates. And Arsenal put on crazy prices and Bayern Munich were really upset over it. Like, so Bayern Munich um, reimbursed their away fans that travelled to London the, the cost difference, right? And they were interviewing Uni Hall this afternoon. They were, they were asking him, why did they do that or why did they feel the need to do that? And he said, look, he said, the fans are the lifeblood of a club. And he was saying, if we're going to buy a player, he said, like our season ticket, he said our season ticket holding prices, right? We keep them relatively low because he goes, at the end of the day, if we up them 600 euro a year or whatever, over the whole lot, you're only in for about two or three million extra revenue. So he was like, do you know how fast we would write off two or three million in a transfer discussion? If we wanted a player, then then we were offering 30 and they said 32. That transfer would be done. We wouldn't blink about spending that extra two million. And he said, because we can afford it. But he said the, the match going fans, two million or that couple of hundred quid is huge to them. And that's the belief in Germany. And that's the difference. So I don't understand why they can do it, but it can't be done in England. No, um, I was discussing this with Paddy Kelly actually one day. And Paddy made a great point that there is a lot of massive sponsorship in Germany. There is. And you get a lot of local sponsorship, and but then I but then I counteracted that as well with um with it is massive the sponsorship, but nothing in comparison to the TV money the UK are getting. So I can see understand both sides of the coin, and and Paddy, but Paddy made a great point that in Germany they do they do get massive local sponsorship from their companies, you know. And I suppose the other thing to look at there as well, Spud, is that um, I, and and this could be seen as completely wrong. But you look at something like Spain where there's really, what, three clubs that could ever compete. Um, and even then, most of the time, it's two. In Germany, it's, it's very, very competitive. But obviously, at the top end, uh, it's, it's mainly, most of the time, it's, it's uh, Bayern and, and, and Dortmund, right? Yeah. So, that, I suppose it depends. It'd be interesting to see how the other cl- uh, clubs in Germany feel about the whole sponsorship thing there as well. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I think you actually said in the podcast one day, Paul, about the article you were reading, and some guy was it you that said about, or was it Rhino that said, uh, to watch an article where a guy was able to get a flight from England to Germany for the weekend, get a game, um, get a game, in, and it was worked out cheaper than an away trip or something that he was. No, I, um, yeah, it's one I've been following uh, closely. There's a, quite a big uh, group of supporters in the UK who are, are supporters of Bayern and uh, all these different clubs. Dortmund have a massive UK following. Yes. You get about a thousand yes. uh, UK uh, tourist supporters every it year. It is cheaper. It is cheaper for these people to have a season ticket and fly to the games in Germany than it is for them to get a season ticket and travel away in the UK. And yeah. there's, it's a really well-known thing. You can find YouTube videos on it. There's Facebook groups. And they also love the atmosphere. These are people that have been disenfranchised by the Premier League. Yeah. And, and what you've said before is that Villa is, you know, we're a two, really, we're a two-club city and we're the only club in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and, and so we don't want to disenfranchise. We've got something unique. Same as Newcastle and clubs like that. We are the club of the city. And I'm not putting down, but I'm really not putting down Birmingham fans, but they haven't been at that top end for a long time. So any Birmingham fans who listen to this, I don't, I'm, I'm from Australia. I understand the rivalry between the clubs, but it's not part of my life. Um, and, and they're not up the top end. And hopefully one day they are, because those, those, oh, how good would that derby be? That, yeah. That'd be one of the fiercest in the world, I reckon. 
Yeah, well, no, you're 100% right, Paul. And and unfortunately, and it doesn't, it, it is horrible for, for, for the, the average match going fan, but just the way football is now, unfortunately, if Villa want to act, be a big team, they have to act like a big team and they have to go a little bit corporate like Man United are, or, or, you, or you just can't compete, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's, there's only, there, there's going to come a point where the owners can't just keep giving their own money. That's where you start running into FFP problems. So as you said yourself, you've got to regenerate. But with regarding the away tickets, I think there, there surely is a better way of doing it. You know, that's I, very, that's well, that's very tough on the people with the criteria, in my opinion. That it just, really is. It really is. But at some point as well, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. At some point as well, those away fans have to be rejuvenated like there has to be new blood coming in so whether it can be a certain amount of the people who've been there for a while and a percentage of ballot i don't think there's ever going to be the right answer spot i know uh, yeah and it's just it's it's something i don't really want to get too involved in because it's not fair for me to answer because i'm not no. in the situation but i think we should acknowledge it because it is a big thing in our club and on this is oh, a, this is a fan podcast so i'll give my opinion but i'm not going to go too deep into it because <laughs> It's not. It's not something I'm giving a fair experience. No, no but I think I, I think we've given fair voice to the fact that we've said that away support is amazing. We've yeah, given every yeah. bit of credit we could possibly give to them. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes feel like our away support is louder than home support, and and that can happen. It's the bonding of those people through the years of travelling and so forth, and the passion for the badge or the crest. Yeah, I love it, mate. So. Yeah. Look, we're getting some good, uh, good questions as we always. Brilliant as always, yeah, and it's right. great. We're getting a couple of new questions and a couple of new contributors each week, and we get our regulars, and it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's so good at the moment. So, um, Richard Murphy, who's asked us a few questions before, all the talk on the pod has been about Archer, but what about the forgotten boy, uh, Louis Barry? Big shock, and it was for me as well. Him signing a contract extension. Can you see him having a future at the club? I, I've only seen bits and pieces of him, Spud. And he seems so good on the ball. And he just seems like he's really lost confidence with being loaned out the last couple of years because he hasn't had successful. They haven't seemed successful. But Emery must see something there. And, and also it must be the homegrown aspect as well. Um, for me, this is just my taking it. I, I don't think he's in the club's plans. I think they're just protecting an asset. I think yeah, they, yeah. they I think they know he's good enough to have a pro career. I don't think they expect that to be at Villa. Give him a new contract and it guarantees they get a fee down the line. That's that's just how I see it. I could be completely wrong. But so, I think even so in have the a academy, deep, have right? a deep cup run and Barry gets a game, plays well, he's in the shop window. Yeah, go down to Stockport. Suddenly, you know, like he has a really good season down there. Suddenly, a championship team looks at him and they get a couple of mil for him, and, as opposed to him having only a year in his contract and then the negotiation powers with the championship team. So that's how I see it. I think they think he's he's definitely a footballer because he like he was massively talented. Like uh, like spoke about. I thought he was coming morning. through, mate. I thought yeah, he, yeah. And, I, and I don't mean the next big thing. But I definitely thought he was going to be. Uh, at some point, I thought he was going to be a regular. I really did. Yeah, oh, I think that. I think everybody did. I think they were seen as a massive coup for Villa getting them back from Barcelona in the first place. But it's um, look, I hope I'm wrong because like I watched, remember he played the first team of that FA Cup game when Villa when 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 all the Villa players got COVID or whatever it was, and they, they had to play all the U team against Liverpool in the cup, and he scored that cracking goal against the, the Liverpool first team yes. in the FA Cup for Villa. Yes, and 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 and. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint where it's gone wrong. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want 
I don't want to say it too much because I don't know much about the guy personally. But um, obviously, something's happened that that is slipped down. But for me, I think there's so there's a lot of academy strikers ahead of him at the moment. Um, so for me, I think they've given the extension just to protect their asset, let him go and have a good season somewhere else. If he does shine, all well and good. At least they they already have him on the books. But I do genuinely think it's more to make sure they get a fee for him. That's yeah. me. That's my it, opinion. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think it also should, could come into, you know, the, the whole squad players and everything as well. Um, I won't read all of Josh's, uh, Josh Donashi, uh chef, his uh, he, um, post. He's had a bad car accident. So we all, from the pod and from all the listeners and everything, just, you know, wish Josh well. Thinking of you, the... We're all thinking of you, buddy. Good, yep. good luck with the recovery, yeah. buddy. And, yeah. You and your whole family, you know, well said, Spud. I mean, we're all thinking of you, mate. And um, I hope listening to us and hearing us say your names helped a bit. But he has gone on to say that he watched both games so far. Tillemans has been a player so far. I really have enjoyed watching him. Matty Cash seems to be a scapegoat, but I still rate him highly. Um, absolutely spot on there. Realistically, Ferran Torres over the line would be an amazing addition, one we won't expect. I'm excited for the season and we will beat Newcastle first game. Love you all. And Josh, love that. Love it. That's a bit of confidence we haven't had at Villa in a long, long time. So, um, look, mate, first of all, to you and your family, because it's really hard. Um, I know my dad had a very bad car accident years ago and it takes its toll on everyone, including the person in the accident. Um, but yeah, much love to you and yours, Josh, and up the villa, buddy. Um, yeah, it's not really such a, such a question, but Torres, um, well, if we had two Torres, I don't know what we'd do. Well, it'd be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Um, can I ask you a question, Paul, right? Just just yeah. with regards to uh, Josh's question there, right? So we've brought in three quality players, right? Of the three, forget about any other links we have with anyone else now, just uh, at the moment. Um, because obviously Farron Torres would be a, a serious signing. Like he would. I, I, a friend of mine's a big Man City fan, and I spoke to him, and he rates him really highly. Just and I've watched him at Barca, and I think he'd be brilliant for us. But in isolation, before the signings, right? So you have Paul Torres, Yuri Tillemans, and Musa Diaby. Which one of those three are you most excited about? What and and why? Like, yeah, I'm going to actually say. Um... <sighs> Man, I, I, I'm always, an, I, I'm sorry to say this, I was a defender, but I always love the attacking players. The most excited I am, everyone's going to say Diaby, right? And, yeah. and or Torres. Tillemans for me, because I, I just see that it's another chance for him. And I really did like him at Leicester. And I, I said to you guys in the last few weeks, I think you might have missed the one I said, but if we'd only signed Tillemans out of those, those three, it would have been a good signing. So, yeah, you could grab it. You could oscillate between the three of them. But, um, but for me, I, I watched Diaby the other day and I went, wow. But he was what I expected. And I wasn't sure if Tillemans would, be, would, would step up for us. So I'm really excited after seeing the last couple of games. What about you? Yeah, well, that, was, that was my answer too. I, like, I'm obviously really excited about Diaby. Um, Paul Torres is just, it's just a statement signing. Paul, yeah. Paul Torres for me, I think it's, he's Emery's man, I think. I think he's probably the one player that Emery earmarked the day he signed his Villa contract. He was the player they thought, I need this man at my club. You know, I think every 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 top-level manager has one of those players that he just completely relies on and tries to bring everywhere with him, you know. Um, I think Torres is that man. So I think fundamentally going forward, Paul Torres is going to be hugely important to this team from whatever way Emery is trying to set it up. 
I think I think he's as I said, I think he's been airmarked from day one. For me, Diaby is a necessity. We needed an extra level and quality in the attacking areas. I think yeah. there's no doubt about that. But for me, personally, in excitement side of things, Tillymans is the one for me. And I, I said this a couple of weeks ago too, because he brings such tactical depth to this team now. Just it's I don't think people not everyone realizes how much this man is going to be able to allow us to play different systems like. It, it, and the most important thing as well is the drop down if Louise and Kamara get injured is gone. That worry is now gone. Because you can play with the three of them there together, or if one of them got injured, you still have that same two quality. Like I, I think Tillymans is super. I think people forget how good he actually is, but I think he just needed a change, you know. I think he had ran his race at Leicester and it was just time it was just time to move on, you know. Sometimes you just need a fresh start. And um very excited about it. And his performance the other night against Fulham, sensational, played the 90 minutes, got man of the match, showed all in that 90 minutes, he showed everything that he's capable of. Played a lot of short ball, was able to pick out a lot of long passes, diagonal passes, was tackling. Positionally, just, just up there, man. And we know he has a strike in him. Obviously, we haven't seen that yet, but we know he does. So, um, yeah, very excited about it. And um, I think I think it's going to be a very, very astute signing come the end of the year. No, absolutely agree. And look, there's a lot of talk about different people still coming in. I think we might, as you said before, get one or two more. I think if we didn't, I'd still be happy right now. I think we've got to... Right now, if we don't sign anyone else, I'm going this season far happier than I have for many, many years. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, keep going, mate. Keep going. Yeah, I know. Just what you're saying about how happy we are now. Yeah, 100%. And and, and what I found interesting as well, that Emery said in his press conference that... that Not the press conference just gone, but the one before that, that he said that, uh, no, he he, he has no plans to send Archer or John Duran out out on loan. That... uh, that John Duran will be number one, number two striker with Archer. So there you go. It's it's pretty amazing to see and and, and the, the depth there. I would still like to see. I still would like to see a, a big not a big name necessarily, but a, a striker of quality come in, yeah. um, put the pressure on Watkins, but also take the pressure off Watkins. That's a, such a silly statement. But, See, I think um, I think that's where where Josh has kind of Josh Donnelly's hit the nail on the head a bit about Ferran Torres because I think Ferran Torres could come in and play that role that Ali plays if Ali was out for whatever reason and he he he's adept at playing across. But uh, well, the thing I found interesting was how um, Emery emphasised about the Abbey's um, versatility. Yeah, that yep. was something that he that was something that he emphasised in in his press conference about how he can play. Anywhere across the front line, so I thought, and and he specifically said, I have no problem playing him on the left if that's if that's if that's needed too. So it's interesting. Um, he's very big on even in the press conference just gone this morning. He re-emphasised how he wants two players for every position. Yeah. Um. So would that mean that he brings another striker in? Like, is that because he wants two strikers and two backup strikers? Interesting. I don't know. So mm. it's, it's very, very. But as you said, Paul, if 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 in the morning they cut off the the window and we didn't sign anyone else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be chucking chucking a wobbler or anything. I think the squad is strong now. I still think it's going to happen, and yeah. and it, or um, it, it it it's pretty much it's not. Uh, what's the best way of putting it? We have no idea. None of our supporters have any idea what our club's trying to do. The conversations yeah. that are happening behind the scenes. 
And that's why I really loved those documentaries like Sunderland Till I Die and stuff, where you actually saw the machinations on the night of the transfer, like the final night of the transfer window and stuff. Yeah. And, and you see there, they're like, right, this guy and this guy, it doesn't look like they're coming in now. We need to get someone else. And that, I don't think that will happen with us now. I think they would have their targets and they'd have their names. They're doing the negotiation. If it doesn't happen, they're not going to do a panic buy. And we have. We've done so many panic buys in the past decade. It's not funny. Too many, too many panic buys. But um, I think I think Emery just proved in the January window going by if if if, if they're not if they can't buy someone that's going to genuinely improve the team, that he just won't. He's not going to just stack the squad for no reason. So that's that's a huge positive, I think. Um, just with those documentaries there, Paul, you were talking about. I, I love them too. They've just announced the, they've just released the the trailer of the Newcastle All or Nothing Prime Amazon Prime documentary from this season. So that should be interesting when that comes out. They've been recording down St James's Park all year. And um, obviously, they've just announced as well that uh, the Wrexham, uh, Welcome to Wrexham Season 2 is going to be released in the first week of September. Oh, I can't wait, mate. I love them all. Um, I'm very lucky to follow so many sports. If I don't know if my family's lucky, but I am. Um, and uh, I just watched the um, NFL documentary Quarterback, uh, which had like Patrick Mahomes and um, I think, oh, oh, just gone blank on the other guys, the guy from uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, but it was so good to see the work rate and behind the scenes stuff that they're doing. So my mates are going to kill me, the NFL mates of mine, for going blank on quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins. There we go. It was the um, the the. Would I be right in saying no? Because obviously I don't watch NFL at all, pal. So I, I'm not even going to pretend I do. I I, I just don't know the first thing about it. Um, but the 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 Cardinals were the first people to do an all or nothing, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. That's where the whole season series, the whole series came from, them, didn't it? It did, but I mean, the you've you've got the NFL's done it really well for years and probably been ahead of the game. They had series like Hard Knocks. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that, but it's the mm. same thing. It's actually even more produced than the uh, All or Nothing's. Um, and Hard Knocks normally goes for a team that is either struggling and coming through or is, looks like they're going to be a contender. Uh, and this year's an interesting one, mate. It's Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets. So Aaron Rodgers, he will be a Hall of Famer. He's only won one Super Bowl, uh, and he's now gone from Green Bay to New York. So that is going to be a huge bit of pressure watching that first few weeks. I'm looking forward to that because I hate the New York Jets. Just going back to uh, Mark Smith's question about the uh, about the statement released there. Uh, sorry, I forgot. At the end of his question, he said, "Do we expect Chris Hex Chris Heck to respond to this?" Just when you were talking about documentaries and all that stuff, because obviously he's the head of a. Uh, the head of our uh, like commercial and community now stuff. So, um, do, do, would you expect us to do a documentary over the next couple of years? Is that a, is that a big thing within America? Do you, him being an American commercial master master leader now? Do would you expect him to do? Would, oh, will we be doing? A, will we be doing a documentary? I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if we didn't because it, it, you'd be looking at two or three seasons, I think, and you'd be looking at us getting. You know, you'd go right, right the same as the team. Is looking to get into Europe. This documentary series we can get. The, the thing for me, if it's generated by the club, it's only going to have the interest of Villa supporters. So it's something that the Premier League or someone else needs to come in and do, if that makes sense. If it's done by us, it's not going to have as much support. That's probably the easiest way to say it, mate. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, I mean, like, I watched the Wrexham when I watched the Arsenal. I loved them and I thought it was interesting, but I always kind of feared like that... Uh, 
Like, I remember got, um, one of the Sunderland players, I can't remember, because they got relegated the year that they were doing it, and he was like, the camera's been there all the time, just added unnecessary pressure to them. And I always worried about that for Villa, you know, we're going in the right direction now. Do you really want cameras around all the time? But I'd love to also see the ins and outs of what's happening behind the scenes, you know. And 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 as we've said here before, I said on this podcast before, it's not new to Emery. Emery done the Welcome to Paris for yeah. um, being sports when he was at PSG as well, so... He's obviously not completely against the idea either, you know? Well, if you want to talk about generating more income, if that gets sold to Prime or, um, you know, I don't know what the rules are, or we decide to go to an... We've just done the American tour, um, and if we then are selling to our American market, we've got a lot of supporters there, then then there's definitely the opportunity. I couldn't imagine Chris Hex not looking at it at all. I, I just couldn't imagine he, he's not. They must be quite lucrative. Like I know Wrexham, the Wrexham one was hugely lucrative because they're after getting a huge fan base in, in, in America now already. Like the, I think there though the, the the issue being the difference being is that um, part of the Wrexham thing was the celebrity. It oh, was of course, that, yeah, the Hollywood, the Hollywood backing. Yeah, and I think that played a huge part in it. And there's so many Hollywood people connected to that club now. And I really loved the way they went around and they got TikTok and they all these different things they did. Um, it was really interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, um, no, yeah, it's good. I, I actually watched that documentary not expecting it to be very good, and I loved it. I thought it'd be just, I thought it'd be too Hollywood, you know, but it wasn't at all. I, I thought it was really, really good. Like, um, so the. The uh, I think you mentioned it, the, the part I was on as well. It was a really good chat you had there. I just thought I'd bring it up there again about the because you you pinpointed it was definitely a Chris Heck move about um a day in the life of Maddie Cash when they followed his day of training. Yes, uh, how good was that? That uh, was really good, really, really, really good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Now, I hope what they don't do this and and we'll we'll tie this podcast up in a sec. I hope they don't do things that they do in sports and and in Australian sports they do it a lot. I hope they don't do a paywall thing. Where um, and I know they do, but where we don't get to see the day in the life of unless you're paying an extra thirty dollars digital um, subscription to Villa, and that's the kind of thing that will come into play more and more. Um, I think I think Paul, I think it's inevitable. Really, is it like they they like they're releasing them now as tasters? But I imagine I imagine they'll be in the subscription for Villa TV more more going forward. You know, they're just giving a taste of what it is now, and then. Start doing a few more behind the paywall where you get your subscription. Anyway, there's a lot involved anyway. That that Villa TV subscription is quite quite cheap, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think yeah, we'll see a lot more things. Lot more, but... I mean, it's been the death of newspapers. The whole paywall thing. You, you you're on Twitter or you're on Facebook and you go to read a story and there's a paywall there. And I'm just like, oh, right, I'm just not going to look at anything that these guys do now. You know what I mean? So no, no, I understand. Just saying, that's um. Yeah, I know fo- fo- football's gone like football's gone such a weird way now, isn't it? Like things that you just wouldn't be used to. But again, it's a sign of the times. So I mean, if the club want to move forward, this is what we're going to have to do. I know you were someone who was very excited about Chris Heck coming in. I didn't know much a whole pile about him myself. I'll be honest, but I've really started looking at Adam since he came in now, and uh, he's definitely the real deal, you know. Oh, definitely is, and and just that experience of working at a really high pressured US situation and. Um, I just think the experience he brings in, you know, how often in a job where in your industry or mine, someone's got the CV that looks pretty good, but you never really know until they're there. And Chris Hick just, Chris Hick doesn't look like anything's a pressure. He, he's got his plan. He's starting to understand the club, but he's thinking beyond the club. There's no doubt in the world about that. Well, like, I think um, 
was talking to someone there lately and I was kind of they were asking me about Villa. We we're talking about Villa obviously and, and I was saying that uh I think I think the club has kind of found its structure now, hasn't it? It's almost like you've the two owners, Wes Eden and um Nassif. Nassif seems to be looking after the footballing side and, and, and Wes seems to be looking after the commercial side. Obviously they're gonna have input and both from each other, but that seems to how it's gonna be now because there's no doubt you and I Emery was Nassif's men. Nassif's man, sorry. And uh there's no doubt that Chris Heck was Wes Eden's man. You know what I mean? So that seems to be the business model now. I think I think I think Nassif is gonna run what's happening on the pitch and Wes is gonna run what's happening off the pitch. And it's a good model to have because um I think Wes Eden's obviously comes from, from that American sport background, which commercial which is commercial driven, like. So yeah, I think for the club for the club, from a business perspective, he's a serious owner to have. And I think Nassef then obviously is big into the football side of it, bringing in the likes of Unai Emery and making that structure happen. So they're getting a lot right between the two of them, I think, for, for us to become a big club, you know. Ah, look, absolutely. I want to end this pod by saying I think we are a chance at Champions League. I think yeah. we're a real chance. Will we get there? I mean, the chances are less than it would be if you were obviously Man City. But it's up for grabs because who is to say that Arsenal is going to have the same season? There yeah. is, there's nothing to me that says that they're exactly going to have that same season. It, 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 it needs to be proven year after year. One year does not make them a contender. And I'm not putting Arsenal down. I thought the season they had was amazing. They probably should have put more pressure on at the end of the season to win it. Liverpool's rebuilding. Newcastle are going to be playing on fronts they have not played on forever. This is a chance. I think it's one of the weakest Liverpool sides I've seen in a long, long time. They'll bounce back. No reason Chelsea should necessarily bounce back. Money does not always do it. You've got to get synergy. So this is a chance. Yeah, and and I think like you have to kind of, with all due respect to Eddie Howe, he's a great coach, but you have to kind of feel with the right backing. If, if Eddie Howe can do it, you'd have to be confident that Unai Emery can do it. The only difference is, it's how do we know if we can manage to juggle this extra competition, which obviously Emery has a lot of experience doing. Newcastle had a good clean run of it last year. They'd finished the season before on a high. They rolled that form into the next season. They had no distractions for um, Europe. They, they they got lucky with their injury. They had a good run without big injuries to big players at the right times of the season. So there was a lot of factors that worked well for Newcastle. And fair play to them, man. They've done absolutely brilliant to get in the top four. Um, I think, I think there is a possibility we can go for the top four. We, that should definitely be the aim. But again, oh, that's that's what I said earlier in the pod. I, I, if we don't make it, that that's uh, to me, it's understandable. We've come so far. You know, we were flirting with relegation uh, a third of the way through last season, flirting with it, no doubt in the world. Right after twelve games, we were in trouble. So for. Less than a season later, for us to be talking about Champions League, imagine in two or three or four years' time with our off-field structure. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And it's where, hopefully, we as supporters start believing in the players. I already see the belief in them. I do. I see the but uh, you see in their interviews, Paul, like they know they have a world class manager. Like they know it. They know this is it. They, everything is there for them to thrive. And you can see it. Like he's improving every one of those players. It's and it's like for us, I said this a while back as well. Like 
for us, we have to get right behind him because it doesn't get any better than this. Aston Villa aren't getting a better coach than you and Emery anytime soon. Right. You know what I mean? This, this we have to we have to back him. The owners have to back him because this is it. You don't get Unai Emery and not back him, you know. And, and they are, and they are. They're backing him. One hundred percent. They're backing him. And um, just one thing I want to ask you before you go, Paul. Obviously, the game is midnight tonight for me. I, 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 I have to get up for work at half four, so I'll probably not watch the game at twelve, and I'll just get up probably at three and watch it before work. Will you get up? It'll be two o'clock this, for you. This will be the first one I'm going to miss. Um, yeah. so I'm going through a little bit medically at the moment, and tomorrow yeah. I do have some treatment. I have to be sensible. It's not a game that's going to change the world. As I think we almost said this in a few podcasts ago, as long as we don't get injuries, um, then I'm going to be happy, mate. So tomorrow morning, unless something miraculous changes, it's going to be the first one I'm going to miss. Will you? Will you? Will you try and dance the result and watch it after? Or oh, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and and um, social media black ban myself, mate. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to take care. We, we we say to Rhino and um, obviously Tess, we miss you on the pod tonight. So we're looking forward as the season really starts to kick off soon that we, we have the full contingent back. To everyone who is asking questions, answering polls, listening to the podcast, we do mean it when we say thank you. It started out as uh, two blokes talking on Twitter to four blokes meeting in Brisbane we're from Ireland, we're from Wales, we're from England, and I'm from Australia. And we all have that commonality that we love Villa. So whether you're at Villa Park, home or away, or you're listening to this, or you're, you know, wherever you are, it's a bloody family. So I, I'm so proud to be a villain. Yeah, just to follow on, Paul says there, thanks everyone for the sport. It really does, it, it really does matter, like, and the questions, we just, we do love them. And I know we say this every week, but because that's, that's true. Like it's it's just the truth of it. Like we love the the spontaneity of the questions. It gives us topics every week. Um, retweet the show for us, please, lads. It does help us. It helps reach out to other people. If you've got good villa friends, Mark Smith has done meant done it many times for us. Add them to the Facebook group. We we welcome more people. You know, it's um we're coming into a new season now again. There's a lot. There's a lot to discuss at the moment. The club is in a positive place. So. Just help us get the name out there, retweet, keep them questions coming. And more importantly than anything, up the villa. Up the villa. Mate, that was, um, I really enjoyed that. Well, thanks for joining us another Aussie Villains podcast. We'll be doing the podcast always through the pre-season and uh, we'll be doing match reviews and so forth as the season kicks off in two weeks' time. Get us at Twitter at Aussie Villains. Get us on Facebook at Australian Fans of Villa and our Facebook group as well. Please, uh, if you can, give us some of your feedback, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or you subscribe to the podcast and give feedback there. It's all through the Love Sport Podcast Network, so if you look up Love Sport on uh, Spotify, Google, anywhere you uh, look for your podcast, Apple, if you do, please give us a rating there. This is the Aussie Dillons Podcast. from Bubakar Kamara to get onto the ball but it was him that was brought down and the referee blows the whistle points to the spot and gives Aston Villa the penalty Ollie Watkins for Aston Villa inside the 14th minute whistle blows Watkins with a Big deep breath. Oh, the 
Wilkins needs to save it. Not back in, and he's there again, Provadel. And he stays nil-nil. Well, he flung himself to his right-hand side with Ivan Provadel, but it was legs that kept the ball out. And it stays nil-nil. defensive to attack and that's a good ball out to Ollie Watkins from Yuri Telemans, Diaby and Bailey arriving. Watkins might not need any of them. Shoots and goes 